you know, it, it's so much easier to wake up really early when you're talking about a film you like. Like, all the way last Aww. night when I was just like, oh, crap, I'm on my way home. and I've got to get up first thing in the morning to record The Shadow. Mm. But then in my head, I just thought, The Shadow knows. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it's fine. I'll be all right. And that's why you were fired from your job as uh, London <laughs> transport supervisor. <laughs> And then also kicked off the underground. Who knows when this train is getting here? The shadow does. Does he though? Oh, tell you, London Transport, eh? Best in the London. <laughs> what the fuck? Said that bird that? again. We should probably start. Owly's made a return. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Fan favorite Owly. <laughs> He's back, everyone. <laughs> No, no one asked for him. I thought of him last night and uh, really glad that I could work him into the bit we're going to cut. that always returns Tim Curry's calls, even when he isn't blocking the corridor. I'm Paul Goodman. I'm some kind of mystery. <laughs> That's why I've been told by literally no ev- everyone and no one. Anyone and no one. My name warrants an awed hush from most uh, most groups of people. I just, uh, it's like being at a funeral for me, mate. Can't stop laughing. <laughs> and it's episode 90. Wow, everyone. Which means it's another defense of episode. And this time it's the Ooh. turn of Mr. Paul Salt the Ninth to tell all of you why The Shadow, a supposed bad film, isn't. <laughs> he was consumed by evil for as long as you can remember. You've struggled against your own black heart. Shoot through him. Every man pays a price for redemption. I'm not looking for redemption. You have no choice. But I'll teach you to use your black shadow to fight evil. He became the shadow. Starring Alec Baldwin and Lamont Cranston. Nope, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Lamont. My character's named after you. I know. <laughs> God, that's meta. <laughs> Starring Alec Baldwin as Lamont Cranston and Penelope Ann Miller as Margot Kidd, Lois Le... <laughs> hmm. Ah, what, what a coincidence. <laughs> anyway, The Shadow is a 1994 adaptation of a 1930s Pulp Fiction series that was also a radio drama where the titular hero was voiced by Awesome Orson Welles. <laughs> this one was directed by legendary man Russell Mulcahy. That's right, of Highlander 2 fame. Yeah. Also Highlander. How's it going to go? Tune in right now to find out. (laughs) The Shadow was met by critics like the last in the line of an ancient warlord meets anyone who wants anything of him ever. That is to say, effectively. Rick Grain of the Globe and Mail said, This thing is all packaging and no content, or dare I say it, all shadow and no substance. (laughs) I dare you, Rick! I dare you! It's an Alec Baldwin-style shadow. And all the substance is in the shadow and it'll come out sometimes. Oh my god, this made me want to... Bald win my way to uh, an early grave. Brilliant as ever from the Globe and Mail. That's what the kind of quality we've come to expect. Derek Adams from Time Out said, Baldwin's low-key performance lacks charisma. Lone alternates between lip-smacking villainy and camp humour. And Miller is chiefly a clothes horse for a series of slinky 30s frocks. Problem with this film, you've got an uncharismatic, you've got a sleepy Baldwin. You've got Mm. a bloody unpredictable John Lone. And a slinky chick. What did I pay my ticket price for? Not this. Certainly not a low-key Alec Baldwin performance. <laughs> Never. Wouldn't expect that of him. <laughs> yeah, I love low-key as well. Hi, I'm here to give a very boring performance. <laughs> the director knows. Just dry. 
<laughs> Dry as dishwater, mate. Doesn't even make sense. Uh, of course, Keanu Reeves wasn't really big at this point, was he? So maybe people didn't really have a good reference point for a sleepy performance. Things were different in the 90s, mate. <laughs> You had to set everything by Gary Barlow. Woo, look at me, look at me. Ooh, I'm an actor. Ooh. Oh, God, what a low-key performance. <laughs> I thought you were doing a Gary Barlow impression there. <laughs> you don't know, take that, mate. Uh, not paying any taxes. Hoy Polloi, on the other hand, reacted like they're an unscrupulous scientist, played by Tim Curry, who sees an ancient warlord as a means to a promotion, which is to say, <laughs> eagerly and above their station. <laughs> Daniel, writing on Amazon this year, gave it five out of five stars, saying, Fuck yeah. Fun romp with some inspired moments. It's not a perfect movie, but it's pretty no. close. There are some excellent ideas, really imaginative visuals, great costumes and sets, along with performances that are very strong. Very entertaining, closer to a cross between the old pulp magazine stories and Indiana Jones in action and pacing. It's a shame it didn't do better at the box office. And then it links to Screen Mayhem and it's just your picture giving a thumbs up to a dog. <laughs> Love that dog. We're all trying to impress that dog. It doesn't It doesn't think much of us, but we're going to win its heart. It's never steered you wrong though. Never never steered anyone wrong. Well, that's why he's uh, Screeny Mayhem the Wonder Dog. <laughs> rough. 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 Uh, uh. rough. 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 <laughs> rough. That's what he said. Quote. <laughs> Screen Mayhem, the Wonder Dog. Ah, Bollinger, also writing this year well, gave it four stars on Amazon, ejaculating thus, Hello all, when I first saw this movie back in 1994, it was great. Watching it today <laughs> in the shadow of the MCU, it still is great, yet this Blu-ray has some problems. Yeah. First off, I love the story. It is a great story. Secondly, I love some of the scenes. The bridge scene is incredible, and some of the, especially the fight in the lab, are great. So what is the problem, you ask? Some of the sends have definite snow on them. Now, it could be my player, but if it were, it would be on every scene, not just select ones. So it must be the Blu-ray. Secondly, another problem with this is the villain. Oh, no. He tried too hard to be this evil bad guy against Lamont Cranston's shadow. Still, I like this movie a lot and plan on watching it a lot. So if you want a good superhero movie, get the shadow and learn how to cloud men minds. <laughs> Love it. Now, there were some highly literate and coherent reviews, but <laughs> that's why you're here, Mr. Salt. <laughs> I skipped them. With a budget of just $25 million, it grossed $32 million in the US and a cumulative worldwide gross of $48 million. Yeah. Now, just to put this in perspective, it scored 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, but a whopping 6 on IMDb and 4.5 stars on Amazon. Yeah. Proving once and for all that critics have no fun in life. <laughs> so if you can't get, the, get anything out of this John Lund performance, <laughs> then I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you. You're as dead as Mark Kermode's hair isn't. So, Paul, you 45th and main barbarian. Uh-huh. What made you want to be a king in this kingdom? A prince tops? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, this is probably the biggest risk I've taken since Street Fighter. Uh-huh. In terms of coming back to something I've not seen probably in even longer than Street Fighter. Mm. Okay. And just hoping, hoping that it's as entertaining as I remembered it being. <laughs> I really loved this as a child. There's pictures of me with a handkerchief tied around my face and one of my dad's sun hats in a bathrobe running about the place, getting frustrated that the handkerchief keeps getting untied. Uh. Repeatedly go and find mum to ask her to retie the handkerchief around my face. Just like the shadow. Yup, just like Lamont Cranston the shadow. Just like Lanston Cranston <laughs> the eponymous shadow. I mean, who is tying that thing behind his head? Who was? Is it his taxi driver? I assume so. All those scenes that Russell Mulcahy insisted on. No, they, they've got to know how he gets the handkerchief on. <laughs> it's like kick ass. Do it again. Take 58. <laughs> hard to do a knot. All right, Paul. That sounds all right, Paul. Let's get into this. What happens in the shadow? Well, Alec Baldwin. we have an opening credit sequence that lives up to all of my expectations and dreams.
<laughs> we are in ancient place. We are in 1920s fucking... Where are we? Tibet. Burma. Tibet, that's where we are. We're in Tibet. T- and a yeah. man is being brought before a warlord. A nervous man. <laughs> a sort of accounting man. Brought before a terrifying, long-haired, long-nailed, long-faced, evil guy. God. Yeah, fuck yeah. What's his name again? His uh, original Chinese... Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Bre- Brendan Fraser. I don't know, but I'm going to say Fu Manchu. <laughs> That'll do. He's brought before yeah. Fu Manchu. Oh, somebody takes his accountant hostage, puts a gun to his head. I guess the guy who was brought before yes. him. That's right. I've gotten this muddled up. The accountant wasn't brought before Lamont Cranston. No. Fucking <laughs> gun to head. No, but what an accountant he was. I can understand where you made that mistake. <laughs> it's like a farmhand who's stolen something. You know what rural Tibet's like. It's a yeah. fucking nightmare. Yeah, and opium. the opium warlords have to deal with every little fucking thing. You guys couldn't have done something... You're out on your own? Yeah. Uh, oh, I can't wait for China, i tell you that much. <laughs> he orders his men to shoot through the accountant in order to kill the guy who's holding him at gunpoint because he's a ruthless motherfucker. Yeah. You'll see that throughout the rest of the film. Lamont says something in Chinese and everyone laughs. <laughs> hey, everyone. Look at the dead dumbass. <laughs> anyway, one day after... After waking up from his nap with three naked ladies, he yes. goes outside and a bag is thrown over his head and he's kidnapped and taken to the rest of the film. Yeah. He is taken to a shack. Yinko. That's what his fucking name was. Fu Manchu. Oh, okay. Great. That's it. He is uh, kidnapped by servants of the Tolku, as he's called. Yes. And he is taken to a shack and said, um, a holy man wants to see me in, in there. No. There. And a fog, sort of, an awkwardly CGI'd fog, moves out of the way, and you see a giant temple. And it's like, wow, yes, just behind that massive temple. And there's another shack behind the temple. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I get it. That figures. (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake. Brilliant. Only the unclouded mind can see, says the guy to Alec Baldwin. (laughs) Oh, and me too. Oh, yeah, you too. too. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Because I I pointed it out. Get in the shack. (laughs) He goes in the shack, and the Tolku is in there, and says, you know... You'd be a good guy if you wanted to. And uh, Alec Baldwin says, eh, I'm going to try and kill you first. But if that doesn't work, yeah. I'll give being good a go. Yeah. So he grabs a knife and, and starts throwing, yeah. uh, throwing himself at the fucking Tolku. Full on yeah. Tom Cruise style leap at the guy. Mm-hmm. And the Tolku goes, oh, it's a magic knife. You've got to wrestle with it. And he goes, oh, no, I hate these. <laughs> he could- if I'd have known it was a magic knife wrestling <laughs> challenge, I wouldn't have done it. I'd have, just, I'd have just gone good. I mean, the first time the knife flies out of his hand, he could just leave it. But no, he's like, no, I've committed to the knife. <laughs> he is persistent. <laughs> I'm going to kill you with the knife, I'm sure of it. After the knife attack thing, which yeah. gets pretty grim, um, he asks the Tolku, am I dead? And the Tolku, with his excellent, I think still Alec Baldwin voice, says, not yet. Fade to black, coolest opening ever. And then we have a sign come up. Some credits that say the price <laughs> the price of redemption for Cranston was that he had to appear on a long-running TV show about a drug dealer. It's the only way people would think of him as not the Malcolm in the Middle dad. Meanwhile, the main character of this film had to become a superhero. He had to do a very interesting training montage, which is happening just behind this screen right now. <laughs> you can hear it if you listen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we see behind? No? Oh, okay. Hearts <laughs> on fire, true desire, 
That music comes on. Jean-Claude Van Damme is, <laughs> Very is sort of moved on screen. He crosses, folds his arm and does a sort of cheeky wink and a nod. And, uh, and then we're in New York in the 1930s suddenly where he's got all of his powers. It's like... Um, the most wretched hive of villainy known to man. A, a, a poor Chinese man is being uh, is being threatened with death. No! He's got the old con- concrete shoes on and he's soon he's going to be sleeping with the fishes. Ah, see? And then they're going to throw him in the river for sleeping with fishes. It's disgusting. <laughs> Was that a Simpsons joke? Have I just stolen the Simpsons Yeah, joke? it's a Troy McClure joke, man. Uh, but you can be for- you could be forgiven, but not by me. Uh, so they're about to throw this poor guy off of the bridge when suddenly they hear an improbable cackling. Where's that coming from? Yeah. And um, uh, a voice, a scary voice says, um, You murdered a policeman, Duke. Who said that? Duke! Who said that? Who said that? Who said that to you, Duke? Who said that about that cop that you murdered just five minutes ago? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Larry. Is it, is it, is it you, Terry A.D. Armin? <laughs> no, it's not me. I'll put your box away anyway. It's distracting. <laughs> so he, he puts his ADR box away and it's still going on. Yeah. Who is this? Ah. Who is this shadowy figure? It turns out to be a composite effect that's hidden away and is ready to now beat the living shit out of these guys in spite of being an, an all invisible guy. Hmm. And he does that. Yeah. And it's great. He punches him around. He punches him up and down. Yeah. The criminal tries to shoot the shit out of the uh, map painting they're surrounded by, but to no effect. <laughs> and so... Never going to learn. Yeah. He rescues the Chinese guy from his block of concrete by shooting the concrete away from yeah. his feet. After which even Lamont Cranston has to remark it to himself, wow, I didn't hit your feet at all. That was amazing. Holy shit. I usually always hit the feet. <laughs> anyway. Well, let me help you up, I guess, for the first time. <laughs> No, Bob, put the wheelchair away. Not this time. <laughs> so he says, come on, Raymond K. Hessel, get up. You've uh, got a whole <laughs> life to live. and uh, But you're now my agent. Agent Shadow number seven, I call you. Speaking of Raymond, Raymond's dad is here to drive us away in his taxi. Because he's my <laughs> Alfred, kind of. So he says, maybe I should talk to my wife about this. And um, Shadow goes, no, so hard. Yeah. The uh, Raymond's dad has to take a hard corner. He said, every time, every time I do it, I have to take a hard corner. It's just, it's Shadow Law now. Every time I get startled. The shat, do you know what? Lanston Cranston knew that when he hired me. And uh, he still still took me on. He's a great philanthropist. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes, he recruits him as his agent and then afterwards yeah. asks, How did you know what was happening to me? How did you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> the shadow knows. <laughs> 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 the shadow knows but i really i really love that long cackle the shadow knows because it really sounds like he's just taking the piss yeah out of his own folklore it's like <laughs> the shadow knows that's what you fucking dumbasses think they drive through the set of Highlander 2. Yeah. And then they drop <laughs> off Mr. Scientist. It turns out he's a Chinese scientist. Uh, yep. They drop him off at home. And yeah, he asks the taxi driver, are you an agent too? And he's like, yeah, he saved my life once. Now I'm never allowed to earn any money again. <laughs> Just drive the superhero around. Luckily, he is a terrible <laughs> taxi driver. So I mean, that's, yeah, that's the way it would have gone anyway. The shadow also knew that. So then he goes, he goes to a club, right? He yes, goes to he a, goes to a, a 1930s style club. And um, he has a wonderful shadow effect cast over him to demonstrate his powers on (laughs) Wainwright, the the constable or whatever he is. Yeah. Chief of um, police, probably. Yes, the Detective Gordon. Yeah, Detective Gordon. Gordon. (laughs) He says, uh, I'm going to put a a, a special police unit on the shadow. That's what they they, they call it, right? You're not going to appoint a task force. 
No, I'm not going to appoint a task force. You're not going to pay any attention to these reports of the shadow. Ignore them entirely. There is no shadow. Well, there is no shadow. If there were, I'd be Eleanor Roosevelt. You're paying for dinner today. Yeah, I'll pay for dinner today. It'd be <laughs> weird not to, really. I'm a butt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty much a butt, really. Stinky, stinky butt boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go home and make a hundred jam sandwiches. <laughs> I don't care who knows it. Welcome to this press conference. Um, we're here to update you on the terrorist attacks. I am Stinky Stinky Butt Boy. Please help yourself to jam sandwiches. I I can't I keep can't. them in the house. There are too many bees. Too many bees. Stop. It's a waking nightmare. <laughs> Please, somebody help me. Lamont Cranston's not really paying attention to any of this because there's a sexy chick who is yeah, eye fucking oh very deliberately in front of everyone. So her name is Margot Lane. Yeah. And, um,. He orders the wine guy to go and creepily lean right into her face and pour her a glass of wine. That she'd been wanting all this time. And then he goes over and says, you know what? I want some Peking duck. And she's like, that's so weird. I want Peking duck. Yeah. Let's go get Peking duck together. A lot like what women want that, wasn't it? <laughs> My first note regarding this is he comes up and says, hi, I'm Lamont Cranston. To which she thinks, all right, I'll sleep with you. You've clearly, pra- <laughs> you've clearly practiced well, he that. he can influence minds and she can read minds. I don't know who's got the upper hand here. <laughs> Why do you keep thinking take your dress off over and over again? I don't know what you mean. It's just this thing I have. Take it off, 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 take it off. Is it working? Take it off right here, take it off right here. So, <laughs> they're at dinner. He thanks the waiter in, in Chinese and yeah. uh, she she goes, oh, you speak Chinese? And he goes, only Mandarin, which is great. <laughs> which which is when, I, when the film was one for me. Look, I've already said I'll sleep with you, okay? Stop being so fucking charming. He drives her home. And then decides that she's too dangerous to keep seeing because she can read minds. And we'll find out that he's yeah. the shadow. He's the shadow. The shadow. Meanwhile, at a museum, a weird sarcophagus mm. has shown up made of silver. And there's mm. a very ominous scene where people say lots of very spooky things to each other with menacing music. In English accents. So we know it's good. <laughs> My God. This is beautiful. That is solid silver. Oh my God. Temperature. This is the silver coffin of Temujin. Who's Temujin? Temujin was the birth name of Genghis Khan. We know it's good. We my, know it's real history. My God. This is beautiful. <laughs> this is over 12 years old. <laughs> Fuck me. What a name carving. My girlfriend's older than this. <laughs> ah! <laughs> wonder what it says. You're a very I, alarming scientist. There's a guy in it, Shuan Khan, who I guess smuggled himself yeah. over in Genghis Khan's fucking thing <laughs> yeah. to be inconspicuous. He, he saw that and went, this is going to be great. <laughs> he struggles. Shuan Khan, you've had some great ideas in the past, mate, but this one, there is, they call you Shuan for nothing. There are a series of locks on the thing, which he struggles to open all of. You can, hit, yeah. you can quite audibly hear him inside saying, which fucking one is it? <laughs> Fucking bullshit cage! Fucking, Fucking hell. hell. Always do this. I hate you, Shion Khan. <laughs> he emerges from the coffin and co- and removes the weird mask he decided to wear with a comical floop sound effect. It's Sean Connery in there. <laughs> <laughs> so he k- gets the guard to kill himself. And then because yeah. even though he is an all-powerful being, he's still not above pranks. He goes and hides out in a bunch of statues. He gets he gets a guy in a, in a, in a car to drive into a massive thing of fuel because he, <laughs> he asks him for a taxi fare. And uh, he's a prankster. He's like... <laughs> He's like, oh, 
It's like William Fickner yeah. if he was ever cast as a prankster. The reason he does it is because the guy was riding down his journey and he's like, um, you're recording, you're making a record of my destination. And he's like, yeah, the taxi commission's got to know. And he's like, the taxi commission? Oh, fuck. <laughs> the legends of old spoke of such a commission. I dare not anger them. That's why he kills Mr. Heckles. That's why he makes him drive into a Russell Mulcahy explosion. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got uh, Tim Curry playing Rick Mayo. Yay! Dr. Lane, you don't think big. If you'd only listen to me, the world would be our oyster. Uh, Tim Curry plays a scientist who works with... Ian McKellen. Ian, Ian McKellen. Sir yeah. Ian McKellen. Was he a sir at this who... stage? He, I think he was born sir. He was christened yeah. that way. Yes, he is Margot Lane's dad. He's working hard on an American accent. Uh, he's not quite there yet. And Tim Curry comes <laughs> You'll in. You'll get there goes, literally never. Tim Curry comes in and goes, why don't you just speak like me? <laughs> no, no. I don't think I'll ever be doing that. Not in my lifetime, that's for sure. I'd love to see Surrey and McKellen impersonate Rick Mail. <laughs> Eddie? Oh, you lovely birds. Why doesn't anyone want to sleep with me? <laughs> Probably because of my disgustingly small penis. <laughs> Surrey and McKellen. <laughs> Oh yeah, the daughter comes in, and it's like, um... But then she goes over and oh. talks about a wonderful man that she met tonight, and Ian McKellen just bumbles to himself, why did I raise you to be so sultry? <laughs> I always had this feeling that there was this indescribable connection out there, just waiting for me. And suddenly tonight, there it was. Well, that's nice, dear. Just so sultry in 30s, and... Damish. Mm. It's it's weird so when breathy. she's talking with her dad. Have you taken your heart medication today? You know you need it <laughs> in order to keep you beating regularly. Um, look, take that. <laughs> take the back of your hand off your forehead and uh, <laughs> correct your plunge, and uh, then we'll talk science. It's killer right now. Oh, we, we did we did scout over the best scene in the film for me, which uh, which is where Tim Curry wins the Oscar and and uh, gets considered <laughs> for every acting role ever. <laughs> when he's, he's he's blocking the corridor for uh, Margot, who's oh, trying to yeah. get into the room to speak to Ian McKellen. Yeah, and uh, if you could just if you could just sample Margot, <laughs> you, you have not returned my calls. And that would be. It great. is amazing. He's a firework of a man. He's wonderful. He's a firework of a man trapped inside a balloon, <laughs> covered in grease, just waiting to go off. Well, someone's got to pass a message on to the shadow <laughs> to let him know that there's trouble going on. How does this happen? Somebody puts a paper in a tube. Yeah, and it, it's and it a policeman, right? A million miles into the shadows. Yes, lands. and it, it it goes along a many tubes, which unfortunately has come undone in one of its many many weak points. At various <laughs> points, it really is just held together by pigeon shit, and it just flies out and hits someone in the head. Luckily, they are also a shadow agent, so it gets to Lamont Cranston in the 1930s. I know they're going for an Inspector Gadget style. <laughs> da, 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 da. They, they went. I don't know what that is yet, but it's, when it comes out, it's going to be great, everyone. But surely in the 1930s. There must have been a better way of doing that. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that the shadow's a fucking idiot. I'm just I'm just asking the questions like any artist would. Well, it's it's a good thing they did call him because he comes all the way across town from his big scary house to a fucking tiny office hidden away in the basement of some street so that he can receive a message and be told information he could have just been told over the phone. Jesus Christ. Nineteen thirties, mate. Do you know what it's like to get across midtown? During rush hour. He is given the information that there's been a murder at the museum and there's a spooky guy walking around town that he better investigate. And he oh thinks, no. he thinks, oh yeah. shit, I better start. So, oh, there he is. Um, he's just behind him. He, and he looks at his, uh, looks at his cork board full of Tim Curry pictures. <laughs> and crosses that <laughs> With out. Question marks I'll save this them. for a later investigation. <laughs> I'm Michael Caine. Shuan <laughs> Khan tries to convince Alec Baldwin to embrace who he really is. 
a small time opium yeah. dealer from Tibet. No, it's too heady. He says, "I can't deal with that anymore. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just the quiet shadow billionaire." Yeah, playboy philanthropist. Well, he finds out that John Lone has the same. He has the same mind controlling powers that he does. Only he's yeah. bent on evil. He's got to do some bad oh, stuff. No. Which is, uh, yeah, shitty. Then he hypnotizes um, Ian McKellen using a comical smoking sign. Yeah, I believe he it hypnotizes is. Ian McKellen into being his bomb boy. <laughs> yes, he's going to make a bomb. Which, um, oh, yeah. before he left, he flipped Lamont Cranston a coin. So he goes to Mr. Scientist's house and is like, Oh, yeah. The sun is shut. Oh, you're the shadow. What? Is- I recognize your menacing voice. You're, you're, you're the shadow. Uh, the, the sun is shining. Yeah, never mind that. Just, just come in, mate. Okay. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. Please. Please. Please don't tell anyone. What did I say literally three days ago? <laughs> God. In front of Raymond's dad. The dad tells. <laughs> Who are you talking to, dear? Oh, it's just the shadow. <laughs> oh. Lamont Cranston. Lanston Cranston, the shadow. Yeah, billionaire. <laughs> I'm seriously considering killing both of you. <laughs> so he tells him that, yes, it could make an imploding, exploding device or an atomic mm. bomb. Yes, <gasps> maybe. Yes, in the future, Robert Oppenheimer is. Uh, <laughs> well, he just—he's wanking in the next in the next room, on isn't he? He's like, hang on, I'll hold this one for later, and then he runs off to to Albert Einstein's house with his trousers around his ankles. True history. Now we are all sons of bitches. So, <laughs> oh yeah, bag of Gita. Oh yeah, we cut back to the police constable briefly, who's still banging on about how late Lamont Cranston is to fucking yeah. everything he goes to. <laughs> yeah, he's um his hands are blooded stumps now from the jam sandwiches, and uh, please yeah. please let this end. But uh, Margot Kidder comes in yeah. to complain to the fucking guy. <laughs> please let this end. He comes in. He comes in. She comes in to say, um, look, why haven't you done anything about my dad? He acted weird on the phone to me once, and I called the police, and now nothing's happened. <laughs> They're talking to each other, the mm. uh, Commissioner Gordon and um, Margot Lane. Yeah. And um, she turns to Cranston to say, oh, what do you think about this, Mr. Cran... And he's gone, and I just had a visage of him, like, just off shot, like, pushing people over, <laughs> desperately trying to get out of this place before they notice he's gone. <laughs> out of the way, I'm the shadow. And then Commissioner Gordon going, yeah, I know, I watched him go, I just didn't say anything. <laughs> he drives over to the dad's house to find out what's up with McKellen. Mm. And it turns out that the men have kidnapped McKellen. And they're just smashing up the lab so that no one can follow his research, I guess. Alec Baldwin uses some of his very confusing powers, which seems to include actually becoming a shadow. Yes. Well, he's the shadow. He is the shadow. Well, you can't even turn into a shadow. That's not very (laughs) fucking good, is it? (laughs) What kind of shadow are you? I'm working on it, all right? Look, look, wait wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) What about that? It's just a laugh, mate. I can do that. Shuan <laughs> <laughs> Khan manages to hypnotize Marco Kiddo through that one smoking sign that he can he has to use for all his hypnosis. <laughs> she comes over to his gaff. He yeah. eye fucks her a bit, but like in a less fancy way than uh, Alec Baldwin did. So it's bad. Yeah. But he's foreign, isn't he? You don't stand for that. He sends her to kill him. He charms her out of doing it. Sends her to kill the shadow. Oh, she goes she to the shadow's up. house. Do, 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 and then she shoots the mirror like an idiot. Yeah, fucking idiot. Go smash the shadow's mirror. <laughs> he loves that oh. mirror. It'll really fuck him up. <laughs> also, she just walks into his house. Yeah, he's care, 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 carefree and fancy free. That's the saying, isn't it? Great. Yeah, carefree and fancyless. Fancy free. <laughs> Gosh. Anyway, yeah. 
It's a very open door policy, Lanston Cranston. <laughs> so does Shuan Khan, because Lamont Cranston is able to just walk into a restaurant and meet with him. <laughs> they both get out guns and shoot at each other, and the bullets hit each other, and they're both really fucking shocked that it's happened. Jesus yeah. Christ, I could do that again if you fucking paid me. <laughs> I can do that for a lot more money. That's amazing. Can we just yeah. put our guns down and just agree that that was fucking crazy? They have a hug. <laughs> and um, they talk all night. But then, <laughs> then they're Turns out they've got a lot in common. There's a lot of investigating now between Margot Lane, who's now aware that he is the shadow and wants to help him out in his adventure. There's lots of Margot Lane going, oh, please let me hang out with you. And him going, no, <laughs> no girls allowed. He goes to confront Tim Curry because he's building a brilliant sphere, which Lamont Cranston knows the guy needs for a a bomb. So he takes him to a fucking water tank thing that there is, an Art Deco water tank, where Tim Curry successfully (laughs) manages to shoot the shadow by watching where his footprints are. And then sets the place filling up with water and Tim Curry's away. He Tim Scurries away. That's it. It's actually quite easy to get the shadow. <laughs> done. Turns Job out. done. Only he has a tracking shot of psychic ability. Pulls Margot Lane over to him and she rescues yeah, him. All the way over to his ball and she saves yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a bit more psychic melding, I think, between the yeah, two of them. Yeah, she came and entered his dream like an inception. So Marion Culty are sulking in the corner. Or Nightmare on Elm Street 6. <laughs> the best oh, one. Just you wait. Margot Lane runs past the butler that fucking... <laughs> well, <Cranston laughs> yep, apparently that has. guy. <laughs> My name's Balbert. (laughs) I've got a huge backstory. One time, I was... I think it's just the climax now. Alec Baldwin figures out that Shawan Khan has hypnotized an entire city to not notice a a massive skyscraper in the middle of it because that's much easier than like a house or something. Or like an old diner. And just hiding the bomb. Yeah, (laughs) He's got the bomb up there. Hiding the bomb in a shed. He's got Ian McKellen up there. He's got Tim Curry up there. He's got lots of men up there. The shadow Mm. goes up and just kills everyone more or less. Yeah, pretty pretty much. (laughs) In, in, in some them. entertaining and hilarious ways. No, entertaining or <laughs> hilarious ways. And um, he fucks around with Tim Curry in a wonderful way that really made me want to find out more about Tim. Tim becomes an actual cartoon character. <laughs> You're a fool, Claymore. Get out of my sight. Never be able to be like me. <laughs> um, Ian McKellen and um, Margot Lane, they go to defuse the bomb after it rolls around, weirdly. And um, yeah. we, we get the callback to his colorblindness, where he goes to cut uh, the, wrong, the wrong thing, and Margot saves the day by actually cutting the right one. And it's charming. Yeah, I'm glad that was set up. Yeah, and then they go into a hall of mirrors. Because yeah, they go into a lady from Shanghai style hall of mirrors. Yeah, lovely. and have a big old shootout, and then Lamont Cranston shoves a big bit of glass in his head. Oh, not not before the uh, the magic knife makes a, a welcome return. Oh, Puba! We all cheered. Yay! Yeah, and then the the, sh- the glass in the face. And John Locke looks at him very much at the face to say, I "Thought we were friends." <laughs> I gave you that coin, the bullet thing, and then um, I've met your mum. <laughs> And then it, then it cuts to him in the hospital, in the mental hospital, and he's had a lobotomy. Yeah, the doctor fucks with him a bit because the guy's like, come and sit by me. And he looks all hypnotized like, oh, I'm going to come yeah. and sit by you. You must, I must. Oh, hang on. You're not doing this right. Are you taking a piss? <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> You're not hey. psychic anymore. I'm a member of the shadow cult. Look at my ring. Look at my club member ring. It's a discount on popcorn. You total Wally. And in the end. <laughs> yeah, that was the shadow, hooray. That was the shadow. Paul, in what capacity do you like this film? <laughs> Every capacity, Paul. It still really fucking holds up for me. Great. Well, shit, how do you break down what's great about this movie? I, I guess just first of all, overall, it just feels like a succession of really entertaining scenes. Mm. 
crazy performances from these sort of great character actors. Mm. Very unusual sets. Um, a great sort of art deco. I mean, this was an attempt to rip off Batman 89. That much is pretty clear. With a 30s twist. With a 30s twist is the idea. And with guns as well. Mm. But otherwise, you know, it's it feels pretty similar in tone and setting. You know, I mean, Batman 89 always had a kind of 30s vibe to it anyway, of its sort of reporters with, you know, their little hats and such. Yeah, I think so. You know, hey, what's the, what's the big idea, Joker? <laughs> Nobody knew how to do Batman. He's walking here. Um, yeah, took a long time. <laughs> they were walking here. But yeah, just every scene has these wonderful character actors, incredible Gotham-esque set designs, mm. and some really fucking weird stuff. I mean... I kind of love how little explaining some of the psychic stuff gets. Mm. Like, yeah, uh, fucking Shawan Khan's face just appears out of a fireplace. That happens. Yeah, sure. Happens sometimes. That was his house alarm. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they installed the other day. Very now. <laughs> Have the face of your greatest enemy <laughs> appear in a fireplace. It's perfectly cast. Alec Baldwin is fucking great as the shadow. And Lamont Cranston. Yep. I, lo- I loved Alec Baldwin. I- he had a real <laughs> Cary Grant sort of quality yeah, to me his voice is great and i think he brought to the role of the shadow a sort of layer of sardonic a sardonic quality to it mm. which made it just very believable it wasn't campy you know the when mm. he's cackling away because he's the shadow it just felt like something he'd do now we, we can get onto this later but are uh. you about to say that there is no campiness in this film no Definitely not. It's a very okay. campy film. Okay. It's a very silly great. film. Which is... It sure is. But just... we, can, we, can, we can get onto that. I think <laughs> the, ca- the characters are great. Yeah. I loved Penelope Ann Miller. Yeah, as, she's... As Lois, as Lois Margot. She was great. She was mm. the 30s in a fucking bottle. <laughs> just just waiting to be... Waiting to explode over a Formula One winner. Pure 30s. I don't know where that's going. <laughs> yep, she was great. She had some really great deliveries of lines and sort of comedic timing. Yeah. What is going on here? Well... There's this guy. I'll tell you later. Mo, go call the police. Okay. John Lone, Shawan yeah. Khan, was a fabulous bad guy. He was deranged, but just very convincing as this absolute egotist. You American are so arrogant. You think your meaningless, decadent country is the new cradle of civilization. But let me tell you hey, something. That's the US of A you're talking about, pal. I am talking about ruling the world. There was some dialogue in there that was perfect. <laughs> some of the snappiest dialogue you will get this side of Christendom. <laughs> there was so so much of it that worked ever so well. And actually, when uh, I look at the negative reviews of this, everyone praised the visual effects. Yeah, it's really it's really inventive. The way he took out a lot of people as the shadow was really satisfying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, invent- inventive, especially, you know, dealing with 90s technology. Mm. They, they did a really, really good job with that. Yeah. And some of it may not make f- sense fully, like him coming out of the shadow. And I thought the idea was mm. that just, you know, that was the only thing you couldn't hypnotize people not to see. But yeah. instead, he's actually part of the shadow, it seems. But nevertheless, it's just such a weird thing to see. Mm. That it's just fun. And I, I really like the facial makeup they give. Like Alec Baldwin has a, a prosthetic nose and sort of weird eyebrows put on him when he's the shadow to make him sort of not yeah. look like the Mont Cranston. And mm. it just looks good. It just looks iconic in a really satisfying way. And it looks like a 40s thing. It, uh, when, I, when I first saw him, it veered into unintentional <laughs> hilarity for me. 
but then I just I just sort of got used to it and, and embraced it and it was great. <laughs> it was almost grotesque the face. Yeah. <laughs> um and it it worked well for this sort of omnipresent yeah. hellbringer. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and it might be some, just something that Lamont Cranston finds funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to give himself this face. <laughs> well he certainly enjoyed he certainly enjoyed himself all throughout, didn't he? I'm really <laughs> I'm scary and intimidating, even with this ridiculous nose. <laughs> <laughs> There's some missed opportunity going on here. For one thing, I mean, the shadow is meant to be just a guy who loves being bad. He loves it. Mm. That beginning is just meant to be him reveling in being a dick Mm. and killing people and all of that. And then he just, he goes good with not Mm. very much provided reason. Magic knife. And (laughs) magic knife. What would you do? Um, (laughs) And yeah, it's just. Oh, Jesus, do you, mate? (laughs) What would Lamont Cranston do? So I always always ask myself. This, this, probably this. (laughs) He'd have a big fake nose, <laughs> and he'd go around telling people that the shadow knows. I don't know. You never get much of a sense of a guy struggling against his nature. No, and I think missing out that massive training montage was its, <laughs> was to its detriment because oh, I... that could have showed a progression. I think. I don't know. I liked the idea of his powers being inexplicable, and like I say, I like how much it doesn't get explained and how weird this is. And I feel like a training montage would explain too much of what he can do. Well. I don't want him to be like, this is how you go into the shadow now, you say, Azkaban. <laughs> but I wanted, yeah, just more more development there. More, I guess it was just more impetus needed. Just a co- more motivation. A compelling reason for him to be good or a sense beforehand yeah. that he didn't like being bad or maybe just some mm. motive behind why he was bad. I don't know. You know, I don't. You don't want some cliche movie screenplay. You know, oh, he was beaten as a child, and now, uh, you know. No, I, I will say there was something about the opening five minutes with him as the warlord that didn't feel right to me. Alec, Alec Baldwin in that moment didn't feel like a believable <laughs> warlord. He just seems like the nicest guy. It was a film that would have benefited benefited from either being totally campy or cooler. And I and I wonder if that was why it was uh, as poorly reviewed as it was by the critics. You have no fun in life. What I really liked in this was uh alec baldwin it is absolute coolest the times when his hair was down in front of his face mm. and he was giving a smoldering look at the screen and you know <laughs> i i was just coming buckets <laughs> that's what i liked and i think that the campy's joel schumacher moments for me or maybe it's highlander 2 moments for me mm. that i thought i i also enjoyed but i would like two separate films of that i don't i don't agree i i found him being sort of charming and cool fit quite well in with some of the sort of sillier Mm. moments of just people screaming and being thrown off of things and a Mm. weird mysterious man punching them from invisible it's just yeah it it all kind of gelled together to just make this very compellingly entertaining i don't really have any criticisms with the tone of the piece that's interesting it it jarred a little for me and uh, but i do i do think his shadow effects for me, we're, we're mostly the cool, the cool side of things. Yeah. I love Tim Curry. Mm. I, I love him with all my heart. Jesus Christ, he's he's <laughs> just fantastic. <laughs> There's one particular scene where he's freaking out just before he dies, and it's filmed from above yeah. at an angle. Oh yeah, and he is just coming out of his own skin. <laughs> he he really looks uncomfortable and like he's going to explode. At some stage, he does just look like he's made of liquid. <laughs> when he's just being grabbed by the shadow, he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> And then he goes to run away and just looks in each direction with just a look of desperation on his face. That makes him just look like a frog. Mm. Yeah, he, he looked a lot like the uh, the bad guy from Biker Mice from Mars. I can't remember his name at the moment, but <laughs> he is an actual fish alien, I think. Um, that was that. Was that. Tim Curry is an actual fish alien. <laughs> it's definitely true. It definitely bespeaks a different time of superhero movies. It's a time where, this is, you know, as one of the views pointed out, pre-Marvel, pre yeah. 
you know, the Dark Knight, obviously. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's it's a time when superhero movies were weird. Mm. You know, Batman, Batman was weird. Nobody really knew how this stuff should work. There wasn't a good template mm. yet for these things. And, you know, X-Men was several years yeah. away. And, you know, so the drier tone wasn't, wasn't there. And so you end up with this utterly surreal mix of superhero movie tropes. No, very little origin story. Mm. Which I quite like. Again, it's like Batman 89. He's just fully formed and he's Batmaning. Mm. And just very weird horror elements. Yeah. And all this weird psychic stuff. It's very surreal. So, I mean, would it have been better to have just lost the origin segment at the beginning of the film? And just have him him turn up as this mysterious shadow figure who revels, you know, revels in in tormenting people. Quite possibly. But you would need more indication Hmm. that he likes being bad. Although having said that, there is plenty of indication to indicate that he absolutely fucking loves scaring people. Mm. He's really happy when he's freaking people out and using his powers that he has, that he's been given by a very ancient and very, you know, um, dignified body of monks. When he's just using it to fuck with people. Mm. So I guess it's the idea is he's like Dexter. He's going to do evil shit, but he's decided that he needs to do it exclusively to bad guys. Yeah. Which is a really fun angle. And considering that this was before... Yeah. You know, before Superman, even. is the, Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, wait, which? 1930? Oh, yeah, sorry. The comic book yeah. was before, yeah. You know, it was it was, it was a, a trailblazer. It's a really, a really ah. cool angle, really great character. And uh, yeah, it just seemed to straddle eras, I think, this film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I really enjoyed it. It, was a, it was a funny romp uh, with some really dark moments. Yeah. But I wonder if this would have, in a similar way to Highlander 2 coming out at the time and, you know, loving Highlander, if we'd have been of legal age as we are now would you have the same feelings about it now it's hard to it's hard to say because one of the critics i read who reviewed this said that it's a film that is basically all style and no substance Mm. but what's wrong with it when the style is this good okay and that's kind of it there's not much substance here there's not much to Mm. the relationship between margot and you know and um lamont there's not much to the dynamic between him and the villain it's just a entertaining film it's a compellingly entertaining film and i'm not suggesting shutting your brain off but i Mm. think there's a part of your brain that can appreciate just the sheer aesthetic beauty of something and there's just something so pleasing to the way this this goes and it's quite smooth there's not much stop starting you know it's largely just every scene that started it was like oh fuck it's this scene yeah. There were very few scenes where it's just like, oh shit, this scene. <laughs> All they're going to do here is give exposition to each other, which, you know, does become a thing a bit later on. I will say that I did love Margot and Cranston exploring this mystery together, and it's kind of a shame that they don't really get together until over an hour in, and that they only really have the last half hour to have a bit of a dynamic between them. Yes. One of, one of its real strengths was the dynamic between the two of them. There was some, I've already said, there was some amazing dialogue and the, the, the chemistry between yeah. them was great. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, right it was wonderful. So maybe, you know, lean more on that. It was the cool 1930s pulp yeah. aspect that I really liked. It was just a really entertaining film. It, I'm, I was relieved that it was still so funny in places, that it was still so weird and yeah. sort of exciting in others. I just, I just enjoyed it. Luckily, not much of it has aged. Well, I mean, is I, I think this is a case of the Rotten Tomatoes of aggregate score not being indicative mm. of the quality of the quality of the film or the like critics' general feelings towards it. Because thirty five percent doesn't mean that critics gave it three out three point five out of ten. It just means that thirty five percent actually said this was a, a a good film, like a positive review. Um, I was trying to find the Metacritic, yeah. but I can't actually find it at the moment. But you know, the uh, Metacritic doesn't 
backdate as much as Rotten Tomatoes. That's does. a shame. But um, we'll just say yeah. they gave it ninety-eight <laughs> percent. Yeah, I, I would struggle to figure out how many stars to give this thing. Mm. I'm not going to say it's so bad; it's good. Everything that's good about this, it's like Highlander Two. Everything that's good about this was meant to be that way. Yeah. You know, it was meant to be sort of comedically weird in places. You know, it was there was nothing here by accident. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would struggle to know because what they've set out to do. Mm is not to create a sort of provocative... Although I don't want to say the film isn't intelligent, because, I mean, some of the stuff in here requires such leaps of logic and sort of um, mm. deduction that it's it couldn't be called anything but. But they made the film they set out to make, and mm. it's a film I really enjoy. Mm. Yeah, re- review, reviewing would be difficult. So rather than that, why don't we just get on to the quick fires? Is that what you, what you say? Quick fires? Quick fire. We should point out it's Jerry Goldsmith doing the score here, and it's a fabulous score. The hero stuff is great. It's just so full of sort of mystery. I love it. Yeah, I love the theme music. Yeah. When he is the warlord, there's a, a shot of him <laughs> with very long nails sort of scrabbling for yeah. meat off a plate to hand it to a dog. <laughs> it's disgusting. Not off a meat, not off a plate, off a corpse. <laughs> He's just picking that meat right off of the of the fucking thing it's on. Oh gosh. It's okay. That's great. Really gross. When it first opens, like the very first shot of I think it's just people like picking I don't know, opium plants into bed. Whilst the car drives through, and it looks like The Godfather. It has some great film grain to it. It looks, it's an, uh, it's a bit oversaturated. Yeah, it's um, sepia. It looks just ever oh, okay, so slightly yeah. sepia. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Um, I like when the the bad guys have Remy K. Hessel, and they they have him in the concrete shoes, and they test yeah. the concrete's dry with a knife. Just a cool little detail. Oh yeah, just 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 scraping it to check that it's dry before chucking him in the river. <laughs> I really like the temple that the um, Toku lives in. It was a great temple with a big evil snake head. It's not exactly <laughs> screaming minimalist, give up all of your wealth. <laughs> Although maybe they're not. Maybe these monks are just dicks who like going around stealing shit. Yeah, just make just... They're the, they're the kind of like, uh, management consultants of the of the of the religious world. <laughs> Tangentially to that, I really like that the Chinese man seems to be talking with Cranston's voice. That's a really mm. eerie detail. The idea that this guy's going to talk to you with your voice or with the voice of the shadow. I also know that for as long as you can remember, you struggled against your own black heart and always lost. You watched your spirit, your very face change as the beast claws its way out from within you. You're in great pain. I liked the sort of the ADR when he was the shadow sitting in the car talking to people. Oh, the yeah. way it boomed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was there was something like it didn't matter whether you were in the car or not, you'd have heard it somehow. <laughs> Thank you. These fellows are probably busy. You can just scrub me off anywhere along. You're Dr. Roy Tam, a professor in the science department at NYU. Yes. I've saved your life, Roy Tam. It now belongs to me. And I don't think his yeah. mouth is moving. So it's very much no. that he's speaking into your brain. 
he does look super cool during during this film. There's one bit in particular where he takes off his his weird shadow disguise and he's just looking yeah. in the mirror and he's got yeah his hair is all sort of must and he he gives a very broody bad boy look into the into the mirror. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the Adam Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, love Adam Baldwin. Incidentally, <laughs> that's the Alec Baldwin that we that we know and love. Um, just before they throw the Chinese guy off the bridge or mm. are going to, he says something like, "I have a family." And one of the mobsters just says, "They'll get over it." <laughs> yeah. In exchange, when uh, Uncle Wainwright, Gordon, and uh, the Shadow are looking at Margot Lane, and uh, he's just he's doing his starey thing that he does in the film, and Wainwright goes, <laughs> "What the hell do you see in her, Uncle Wainwright? Are you sure you're not dead?" Yeah. <laughs> Related in that moment, I really like when Wayne might ask him, why am I talking to the back of your neck? <laughs> he just hasn't been looking at him. Because at the point when he says it, neither of them are on camera. Yes. <laughs> so it just creates this sort of mental picture that he is just talking to him whilst he's facing all the <laughs> way away from him. He always does this. Hate him. <laughs> I love the museum curator. He was a stylish English. Oh, yeah. Chappy. I really um, liked his moment of pause after um, someone asked him a question. It's like, oh yeah, he's like, this man conquered half the world. Oh, how come <laughs> I never heard of him? And he does he does this. I'll do it to you so that maybe you can describe it. Just <laughs> like he breathes in as if to start explaining. But then yeah. instead decides on a quizzical look. It's 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 what a double take would be if if it was in the middle of a breath, yeah. <laughs> because because you're an idiot, Billy. <laughs> Look, it's great to see Ian McKellen and Tim Curry sharing scenes. Oh, fuck um, yeah. And if one of them is Tim Curry just slapping Ian McKellen on the, on the back of the head, who am I to complain? Bet you didn't think I'd... etc. <laughs> the bartender comes up to him and says, um, your usual, Mr. Cranston? And he replies, yes. <laughs> great. <laughs> I love the first meeting between Khan and Baldwin, between Lone and Baldwin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Having their little tete-a-tete. It's very, it's very stylish. But there's the, they have that tie chat, which is apparently is a, uh, a reference to the adverts that would go on in the middle of the radio play. Yes. That is a lovely tie, by the way. May I ask where you acquire it? Brooks Brothers. Is that Midtown? 45th and Madison. You are a barbarian. Thank you. It's great. <laughs> I love the, the leading into you. I love the pacing of that museum scene. It's so mm. menacing, and there are so many auspicious lines. Temujin was the birth name of Genghis Khan. <laughs> I don't know what the music then does. <laughs> There's this sort of weird ba, 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 fog noise. I really like... Uh, fuck, who's... It's uh, Ian McKellen and Margot. And um, Ian McKellen says, have you eaten? And she's like, "Um, yes, dad, it's 2am. And he just kind of goes, oh. (laughs) He's a great bumbler. Nobody bumbles like Ian McKellen. There's a bit later on where he has to go outside. All he has to do is go outside and light a cigarette. And he does it in a fusty way. I I appreciate every one of the 30 discreet dramatic turns that Alec Baldwin performs in this film. (laughs) I really liked the delivery of Mr. Scientist. I guess you'd call it an implosive, explosive, submolecular device. Or an atomic bomb. Hey, that's catchy. And then he waits for a second and then moves on. It was very naked gun. I love that the bad guys eat with their hands. Every bad guy in this, or character who's evil, is indicated as being so because they eat with their hands. And there's a scene where fucking Shawankar is just shoveling, (laughs) I think it's noodles, just into his face. With a hand. (laughs) With his hand. What a bad guy. God, 
They're rough, aren't they? <laughs> I say. <laughs> this is the 30s, don't you know? We at least have forks. <laughs> Working on the rest. <laughs> I guess in the 30s, maybe they didn't have chopsticks in America at the time. So. Ah, too, well, too racist. Nothing for it. <laughs> yeah. We're not using a knife and fork. It's bare hands, lads. I love, I love the exchange between um, Margot and the Shadow. Of I'm not afraid of you, but I am. <laughs> so many great. what a delivery Alec Baldwin can just fucking menacingly whisper things so well Lamont Cranston's house is amazing I've written what a fucking incredible house with that massive lounge yeah haunting eat your heart out <laughs> so you do a house it's how your house Bobby LaGrange would have had a fucking field day <laughs> in that house you could have popped out from anywhere <laughs> but of course Bobby LaGrange is Twix not the actual character the caretaker that he plays in the haunting right <laughs> but doesn't matter it's all the same guy yeah he travels through space and time to be here yeah <laughs> That amazing dream effect of him just rooting around in his face yeah, I was to, about to have pull that. it off and reveal Shiwan Khan. That was great. That looked great. I was amazed at how much that held up. Because he's just yeah. slipped his hand like under the skin and is like fucking yeah. pushing around beneath oh. the face. It was incredible. That freaked me out when I was a kid and it was still yeah. pretty meth- upsetting. What comes off after that is her describing this incredibly erotic dream that she had. Um, mm. Which was very excitingly whispered for a young boy. I remember... <laughs> I remember as a lad finding that very provocative. What did you dream? I was lying naked on the beach in the South Seas. And the tide was coming up over my toes. The sun was beating down. My skin was hot and cool at the same time. It was wonderful. What was yours? I dreamed I tore all the skin off my face and was somebody else underneath. You have problems. Wasn't that funny? Yes. Stop asking. <laughs> Never. I love the line, psychically, I'm very well endowed. <laughs> I should just say, psychically, like an ox. <laughs> yeah, I really love that exchange. Um, like when she's interrupted him a few times and he just says, Do you mind if I just get one tiny little sentence out here? Thank you very much. And then a, du- a double hit of, um, no, we don't. We need each other. No, we don't. We have a connection. No, we don't. I, I, I really appreciated uh, Alec Baldwin's super focused face when Margot Lane was giving her sensual dream recap. <laughs> it reminded me of Hot Shots Part Deux, you know, when uh, <laughs> the, the the lady's talking about their uh, the, her very personal, intimate experience with another woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I can't remember the character, but he's just sweating buckets and just trying to catch all the sweat that's running off of him. <laughs> So there's a moment where Shiwan Khan convinces the guy from Mulholland Drive to throw himself off of the top of a building, mm. which I loved because um, yeah. it kind of fueled my power fantasies when I was a kid. Okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, I wish I could do that. Because I'm not <laughs> not physically very good. But if I could get someone to like punch themselves in the face for a week, that'd be the <laughs> best. Um, but anyway, as the guy from Mulholland Drive hurls himself off of the top of this, um, is it the Empire State Building or just a simile Art Deco? I th- I think it's the old ESB. It's the old ESB. He bounces. Yeah. <laughs> like he hits a pop. Yes. You hear him going, oh. ah. Yes. And the camera just pans away from this, continuing down without him to reach Lamont <laughs> yeah. Cranston and um, oh, Margot at the bottom, which is great. That was a great, uh, I want to say tracking shot, but I don't think it is that. <laughs> I think this is Russell McKay making up for the um, <laughs> for the dummy shot from Highlander 2. <laughs> I love it when uh, when the Baldwin is, is drowning in the sphere yeah. and uh, he, he spots the two bullet holes or the series of bullet holes. Yeah. And he sticks his finger through and then he wraps his lips around one of the holes to take a breath of the outside air. Yeah. <laughs> that was very cool. Yeah. It's good thinking. Good tactics. 
I really, there's something about the way in which the hotel is revealed, the very slow reveal. It's like the museum scene. It just, it really got to me again. I remember it being a really big thing for me as a kid when Baldwin is just like, I can't believe it. And they're like, what? He's actually done it. What? What's he done? He's so excited that Shuan Khan has done this. Like it's, uh, for a moment, he forgets all animosity and just sort of shows admiration for the feat of having of hypnotizing an entire city not to see a landscape yeah yeah it's like it's just you know they're just two professionals yeah. they're just doing their thing there's one segment where baldwin steps through the rain as the you know invisibly yeah and he appears and then goes right out again mm. just in time to the two punches he delivers to the guards mm. who are guarding the the, the this building of shiwan khan's it looks absolutely awesome. <laughs> Amazing. So good. The shadow costume is really cool. I've just put in it put in. I've just put in there. Yeah, just put in there. Just put in there. I love the lady from Shanghai mirror sequence at the end. It's a really cool update of that moment with mm. all of the sort of pacing of it. And just the sort of, mm. you know, Alec Baldwin's face all close up smashing behind a panicking uh, tone look. It's really, <laughs> it's really something. Oh, and my, um, yeah. My last thing that's not curry related is just uh, Shuan Khan is in the asylum and um, the doctor says, right, let's have a look at these stitches. And he says, stitches, what have you done to me? And he's like, oh, we've just uh, <laughs> taken out a bit of your frontal lobe. To which Shuan Khan replies, but, but <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no fair. Uh, and so our final thing about the shadow mm. is the performance of a beautiful young man. Mm. You know him from Rocky Horror Picture Show. And Congo. <laughs> and the Pebble and the Penguin. And Home Alone 2. And Home Alone 2, where he was the Grinch. We are, of course, talking about Mr. Timula Curry. Tim Tony Coley. God! Chicken! Sissy! Come out of here and fight like a man! Coward! Sissy! <laughs> Why don't you come out here and fight like a man? What is he doing in this film? It's glorious. <laughs> He's a rainbow and a hurricane. There's him just... He's an atomic fucking bomb. Yeah, the man himself. He's, he's Whether he's blocking Margot from walking down a corridor to tell her about his beryllium spheres. <laughs> Margot, <laughs> you don't turn my calls anymore. <laughs> or, down, down to his, his final scene, his swan song. Yeah. Uh, just he he loses it in front of the shadow does a weird very you know quick-footed circle as he fires his machine gun round and round and round laughing like a a fucking child on speed and and then the shadow just hypnotizes him to run throw himself through a window and he does (laughs) there's your exit seawar you need to see curry you need to see him for the full effect this is why rocco didn't work not Rocco, I did that before. Whatever that fucking penguin's name was. Penguin Prick. <laughs> penguin. This is why Penguin Prick didn't work. <laughs> also, it, also, it was called Penguin Prick. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Dom, Dom Bluth lost it. <laughs> he was a fucking madman. All right, well. No, seriously, Penguin Prick. <laughs> Going places, everyone. So that's the shadow. I still think it really holds up. There's a lot of quality there. Mm. It's a, a kind of shallow movie, but it's undeniably an entertaining watch I, I i definitely see it striding the two eras but i think it's 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 well worth a watch if anything is um it's got <laughs> so much that's good about it yeah and uh some performances that will really last a lifetime in that little <laughs> old brain of yours <laughs> you try and forget them you're not gonna do it <laughs> the shadow influenced me as a boy to write my own comic book Ooh, yes 
It was called Cobra. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> it was called Shordo. No, it was called um, <laughs> it was co- called Cobra. It was um, a very thinly masked ripoff of The Shadow in which he had a green thing around his face instead of a red one. Ooh, Jim Jammy should have been proud. Now, I asked my mother if she could look out the only issue of the Cobra comic book that was written. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is no longer extant, it looks like. Oh, no. But... Luckily, I did record an audio version of it when I was about six. Yes. <laughs> mm. Would you mm, care to mm, listen? Mm, mm. <laughs> this is delicious. <laughs> this is fucking painful, but I feel... Why were you nervous about this? <laughs> <sighs> I really wish my Come voice was more different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, now. Hi, this is Paul Salt, creator of Cobra. Cobra is a superhero so much more who can control class. a band of snakes from his body. His story begins when he was a baby. Okay. He was abandoned on a doorstep, uh, but no one uh, lived at the house he was abandoned on. Oh, fucking in! <laughs> he opened the door, and by the <laughs> door, doorstep, and no one was home. He learned to take care of himself. Every night, he would go to the water edge. Water One edge. day, he went to the water <laughs> edge, and there was a girl there. She said that she was mad for her parents. He no told, relevance to anything. He told her his story. <laughs> it's like he life of pie. her to go back to her parents. Suddenly, two men approached from behind. It was their ground. They, they were angry that the two children were there. One of the men shot the boy. The boy <gasps> fell backwards into the river. He floated down the river until he came to a forest. Two men found him. Found him. They took him out of the window <laughs> river. You've changed. And revived him. <laughs> then they taught him how to be a superhero. <laughs> Taking the name of Cobra. Day one. He learned. Staring pensively at a city. How to control a group of mechanical snakes. Uh, Taking the name of Cobra is a very eloquent sentence for a... One snake <laughs> what were you, special. three? <laughs> 28 years old. <laughs> Cobra didn't know. He returned to Chicago in a flying Oh, it was in Chicago, bike. by the way. When he got there, oh, okay. he headed to where he Good was choice. killed. Crime capital Eventually, of uh, Chicago. He got there. <laughs> Eventually, he Windy got city. there. Everything looked the same, except for the sign. It used to say, the lake. But now it says Jack. Pick a you can pronounce little Paul. It was the. It was. Then he noticed a woman on a rail. <laughs> he went up to her and asked what, what is her this name place? was. Paint your word picture, she young Paul. asked her. Uh, she said her name was Elizabeth Ben. Oh God. But her friends called her Eleanor. <laughs> What's your name? She asked. <laughs> Thinking quickly, he replied, John McNaught. John McNaught. I was found on a door. I used to know someone who was left on an empty door house. Empty door house? Uh, uh, empty house's door, she said. Then he realised it was... And he knew the, someone as well. Don't patronise me, mate. Who saw, ...who saw him die. Uh, he slowly told the girl he slowly everything, told that ha- everything that happened. <laughs> My hesitation really implies I'm making this shit up. <laughs> Suddenly, the criminals who killed him uh, grabbed Eleanor and held him uh, <laughs> and held a proton gun to her forehead. 
then <laughs> he realized who the two uh, who 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 he was. They both realized who he was. I could kill you again, he said. That's not a line I want to hear of a two-year-old say. His costume wrapped around him like like a snake. All the electronic the electric snakes came and pulled out of nowhere. Ah no. Copa quickly shot them both. So that's the first story of Copa. It leads on to many more adventures. I'm Paul Salt. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> and then I left. I walked the <laughs> fuck out of there. <laughs> I'm disappointed in how cockney I was as a boy. <laughs> Look, we all had to think a way out of our own accents. We... <laughs> Eventually it will come full circle. What would six-year-old Goodman have sounded like? Half a pound! Half a pound! It's horrible, child. God, he's always out with half a pound. Right, Mum. Half a pound! With what? <laughs> What, Paul? Get ready for school. Half <laughs> a pound. <laughs> you hear me getting quieter as I go into the distance on the school bus. Half a pound. Half a pound. <laughs> that is one sick, sick child. That's 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 it. So I guess uh, there's nothing left for me to say except uh, thank you for listening to episode ninety of One Good Thing. Yeah, Mr. Salt, tell the lovely girls and boys where we and they can find more good OGT noise. Uh, literally everyone, all of your family and your friends, if you want them to hear all the stuff you've just listened to, my plan was to vamp until I could sign into Podbean and use the ending of one of the episodes as a guide on which accounts to use, but the password changed <laughs> and my computer hasn't learned the different password yet, so... Yeah. Instead, I think just make it up, mate. That's probably for the best. Well, I can't remember any of it. I don't listen to you as you do it every week, so... Well, that's good, because it makes <laughs> me feel better about the last minute. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Um, you can email us at ogtpod at gmail.com or get us on Facebook, Twitter, or Podbean by typing ogtpod into the various points when you're meant to do so. We've got our YouTube channel, which we've yet to put a second video on to, so you can look forward to that. It's going to happen any but day it's now. coming. It's coming. <laughs> there are jingles from episodes 1 through 50 available on Bandcamp for just £2.50, which is such a good price. That's like bloody cheap. It's like 20p a track. What? It's cheap as chips. It's cheaper as chips. <laughs> the only thing you're going to get cheaper than that is, is it, was it Coldplay who just put their album? Yeah. Uh, Radiohead did it for free, I suppose. But yeah. but so, shit. Who was it who just put their album everywhere? Well, oh, wasn't it the Bono You too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, everyone. It's on your phone now. <laughs> it's in your life. Um, Dockhead by Paul Goodman is available in paperback for just nine, $5.99 so go buy that yep buy Paul it Salt Screen Mayhem reviews are, uh, on Screen Mayhem he's doing a lot of uh, London Film Festival stuff at the moment I've been told by the man on the street <laughs> keep it between us but between you and me Paul Salt's been spending an awful lot of time in a cinema lately <laughs> this is not news in any any sense no 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 I hear films pretty big right now <laughs> it's coming up really gonna make a name for itself <laughs> in 2018 oh boy okay well i'm paul goodman and i'm paul salt and remember the one good thing about the shadow starring starling starling clary starring starling. <laughs> starring clary starling and alec baldwin is the shadow knows <laughs> because this is a good film <laughs> the shadow is is bye bye goodbye brewster brewster <laughs> wow yeah Ooh. Oh.
Whoa. I'm Bruce Dern, the carpenter. I'm Bruce Dern, the dentist. <laughs> Open wide. <laughs> Can't get me fatty wet for love nor money, I'm telling you. What news from Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> um, from the dunk game. Oh, you've got Jimmy Stewart, mate. Are you Jimmy Stewart? Oh. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Fuck me like I'm your wife. And so he goes and gets his um, dirty socks out of the laundry. He drinks four Carlsbergs and puts the snooker on. And he comes to bed and says, look, you just... You don't have to do anything, okay? Just lie there. He goes to whisper into her ear and does a big bleary burp. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> you won't ever leave me, will you, babe? You've got a penguin cock? I, I want it. I want it. It's rock, though. It's lovely. It's lovely. Get it out. I just want, I want your babies and uh, it's just great rock. It's great rock. Just fuck me. Fuck me I'm first, Hubie. Fuck just me against the rock, please, Hubie. Break my back over it. With big penguin balls. Great rock. Oh, oh, wow. I'm a cheeky chappy. One of his old... <laughs> oh, fucking are you? You? Ooh, I'm Christian Bale, and I think the ends justify the means. Um, what did you say? Um, I said, oh, fucking does it. Ooh, I'm Christian Bale, and I think the ends justify the means. Blah. Sit down, everyone. It's some exposition time. <laughs> I've got a tale to tell you. One day, some shitbags came for my daughter. Put them right. The end. Go to bed. It happened three times. Each time worse than the last. Each time a little bit more racistly. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> oh shit, let's go and get it. Where, where's her wheelchair? Oh no, he took the wheelchair. <laughs> she, she straddles Michael Fassbender, tempts him with a Harry hole, and... Oh. <laughs>